This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hey, Tig. Yes. You ready to do this episode? Oh, yes. I'm ready to do this episode. I mean, we're, we're, we cover a lot in this. We do. We cover a lot. I feel like this is the most on track we've stayed. We've stayed. In a while. Yes. yes. In a while. Well, it helped because... Your dear, lovely Stephanie is with us. And I think we were trying to impress her by staying on track. (laughs) (laughs) I've learned over the years that me staying on track on a podcast is not what keeps her around. I see. Yeah. I see. But we do do talk about uh, sexuality a lot. We do. We barely talk about cancer. People are probably going to think I'm being sarcastic, but it's true. We barely talk about it. Yeah. You tried to talk more about it, but I was like, we don't need to. You're going to enjoy this because this is, this is a documentary about Tig called Tig and we're talking to Tig. Wow. Enjoy. Yeah. It all started when Tig and Cheryl met in the mid 2000s. Hey, nice to meet you, Tig. I'm Cheryl Hines. Hi, Cheryl. I'm Tig Notaro. Should we do a podcast about documentaries? Yes. A podcast about documentaries. Is this microphone on? Five furious frogs fiddling faintly. Furious frogs fiddling faintly. Five furious frogs faintly. I am the first ever podcast. And Tick and Cheryl are following in the sound of my footsteps. Let's get started. I'm so ready. Tig and Cheryl. True story. Cheryl, it's me again. Tig, it's time to do it again. We are going to do it again. Um, We're doing something really special today. We are doing something really special. I mean, it's kind of weird, actually. Did you find this weird? I did, because I've seen this documentary before. In fact, I've lived this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have not revisited it since it came out. And, oh, um, really? Yeah. I uh, have not sat around watching this do you wanna do you wanna tell people what Yeah, I'll tell people what it is. So so this week we're talking about Tig. Oh, not. Yeah, that's the name of the documentary on Netflix. It's called Tig. Tig, in case you didn't know, Tig is a 2015 documentary directed by Christina Goolsby and Ashley York. And it tells the story of stand-up comedian Tig Notaro as she reacts to a series of major life crises. Is that how you say it? Or do you say crises? No, crises. I say crises. 
Okay, I'll stick with crises. Delivering a stand-up set that turns into a viral sensation. The film also chronicles Tig's attempts to have a baby, as well as the story of Tig and her future wife, Stephanie, falling in love. Tig premiered at Sundance and was produced and distributed by Netflix. And Tig, I don't know if you know this, but we have a very special guest with us today. Ooh, who? Well, she's sitting right next to you. We have Stephanie Allen. (laughs) Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to Tig and Cheryl True Story. Stephanie from the Tig documentary. From the Tig documentary. (laughs) I have so many questions for you guys. I can't even. It's it's very, I want to tell you, Stephanie, it's very genuine. Whenever Cheryl says something and her voice drops a few (laughs) octaves, so, so. I've, I've known Cheryl a long time, and I've only through this documentary learned this about her, that when she goes like that, <laughs> it is, she is very much I mean, telling business. the truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm mean, going to a real, a real place. Yeah. Um, so you guys are married. Way to blow the whole... Oh, was that a reveal? Wait, yeah. You, you, oh, come you, on. That Who, was a... People know this. Anybody that has listened to one second of this podcast, that's all you talk about is your beautiful <laughs> wife, Stephanie. It's like, okay, oh, this is the one time that I feel like Spoil- I am not... Massive spoiler, <laughs> not spoiler alert. This is not a spoiler Cheryl, alert. Cheryl, spoiler alerts everything. <laughs> um, so you guys both sat and watched this uh, to... Because you knew we were going to talk about it. How was that to watch it? It blew my mind. Like, (laughs) it was a little hard to watch. And then I also really enjoyed watching it. But it feels like a lifetime ago. Really? It was reminding me of things like, oh, my God. And, And to see Tig before we sort of were together and to see myself. It's like, oh, my God. When we were filming In a World, we were just like, didn't know strangers like in a scene yeah. together yeah and even when we started hanging out as friends but liking each other it was so interesting in fact there's a moment in the movie when I say oh well, you don't know me that well uh, <laughs> when we were at the Grammy Museum and it's funny to think how little we knew yeah. each other and how <laughs> how well, we know each other now, of course, always learning more about one another. But um, that was that was crazy. I can't even imagine watching yourself do real things because it's hard enough watching yourself as an actress going back and watching a project, even if it was five years ago or 10 years ago, it feels if I, I have a hard time watching myself do anything anyway, because it just feels weird. But I can sort of excuse it because I'm acting and it's not really me. But watching you, you guys, I felt like this has to be so weird for you. I mean, and I, I, I mean, I'm very intrigued by it all because like I said uh, in the introduction, you know, this is your story, Tig, of, of you really hitting some very hard times. And yes. I'm fascinated at the idea that there were cameras rolling during this and it's it seems like it would be weird enough that there are cameras rolling when you were falling in love with stephanie Mm -hmm. but maybe you know i guess people watch the bachelor and the bachelorette so we see that all the time but um (laughs) (laughs) those deep true love stories (laughs) 
Um, That's what you've boiled this down to is just yeah. another season of The bachelor. bachelor. Yeah. Except no Bachelor showed up. It's interesting because when we first started just hanging out as friends or whatever you want to call it, she was like, oh, you know, a documentary is being made on me. So there's like cameras following me around. I was like, really? And it wasn't a part of us or me. It was just this was being this documentary was being made. And so for a very long time, I was hiding behind couches and like standing behind the camera, not <laughs> not on not participating in it. And then as time went on, because that they took a they filmed for a that was a long time that they were making. You were that hiding movie. behind couches. Yeah, <laughs> I guess pretty well. I never I never saw I did, that. I didn't see it either. She was very successful. My friend, uh, an old friend of mine, an old dear friend, Christina Goolsby had approached me, and she's always worked in the documentary, docu-TV world, and when she approached me about making a documentary about my life, it was when all of this was going on with me, and I thought, not because I don't have faith in Christina, but because things just fall apart all the time in in the world of Hollywood, and Mm -hmm. I also didn't really understand what it meant to have a documentary made about me. And Stephanie's nodding yes, because I would imagine you agree. You you yeah. watch a documentary and you, you're watching the edited version, but you don't really understand. Watching it the other night, I'm like, why did we do this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when so when Christina approached me about it, I was excited for her to potentially make a documentary, but I was the subject and I just said, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Because right. I just, I kind of thought it would be something that she'd do off on her own. Or, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it would like not actually happen. Right. Um, or I also didn't understand what it really meant. I just was like, yeah, sure. Let's do that. Yeah. And I have no regrets about it. It's so incredible to have this time capsule. Yeah. I feel very lucky that she approached me it just was like this is so intense yeah so just to listen I I always have to keep this on track Stephanie you have to understand (laughs) um to just talk about the documentary for a second because and I'm dying to get to your relationship but I feel like it kind of pops later in the story Mm -hmm. so Tig it starts out with you and it shows your beginning before something happened that really put you on the map in a big way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. basically when you met me. That's so crazy. <laughs> I always tell Cheryl was one of my first and earlier supporters. Remember when you took me around to all the major yes. agencies in Hollywood trying to get somebody to yes. sign me for God's yes. sake? <laughs> and everybody said a big no thank you. <laughs> And turned away from me and turned back to you in the meetings. And we're like, so what's going on, Cheryl? Well, yeah. And we'd go outside of the building and you'd be like, okay, what's our next plan? And I was like, they don't want me, Cheryl. And you were like, this, no, somebody's going to want. I only got an agent two years ago. And what's funny is you and I have the same agent now, Dar. Oh, I love Dar. I love Dar. Anyway, so yeah, my early days when I was just, just doing stand-up, this random friend of Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I do. You, I saw you do stand-up 
wasn't it at the improv right yeah yeah and I thought you were so funny and you were hilarious and I was like oh my god everybody should know about you everybody should see you and hear you you told me to drop my VHS tapes off in your mailbox (laughs) (laughs) I like that it wouldn't let you come in the house (laughs) nice to have an agent so, so you were, you know, you were like on, on the, I was going to say on the beat, on, on the, the scene. scene. Co- comedians don't say yeah. you're on the beat. That's like a journalist. No, that's like a cop. Yeah. Oh, it's I a like cop. That. You were it's on the beat. Cop. Okay. And uh, you're, you know, you're doing. Stephanie was in junior high school. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing pretty well mm-hmm. as, in that world of the, the c- mm-hmm. comedy. But I mean, you weren't a household name. People weren't really talking about you do you mind me saying that (laughs) falling on deaf ears by the way okay and then um (laughs) and then you then you find out you want to talk us through the series of events that happened to you yeah I started to get ill and I remember it because I rarely got sick not a hypochondriac don't have this history in my life of any of this but I got really sick and I was supposed to meet a friend for lunch and I said oh let's touch base tomorrow I'm sure I'll feel better I just haven't been feeling well for the past week and um and then shortly after just everything fell apart and I was in the middle of filming this movie called In a World that Stephanie was in okay can I ask you about that for one second Mm mm-hmm so there's footage of you guys shooting this film. How did you... Yeah. The documentary didn't start shooting then. This was just found footage from... This is the in-between takes. Lake Bell, who directed that movie, had that oh, footage and, and provided it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we were able to get these moments yeah. in between, which is also crazy because I was so sick. I was coughing. I was having trouble breathing. And it's all on camera with me in between takes. And so you can see that part of the footage and think that I'm aware that I'm on camera, but I'm not. You're truly just in between. I was truly in between takes trying to gather myself so I could perform. Yeah. I thought that was so interesting because I was watching it. I was thinking, how does this documentarian have footage of her coughing and being (laughs) sick on film? Yeah, it's from the actual camera of the movie. Crazy. Yeah. And so while we were filming the movie, I was very ill, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I was just really, really struggling. I was having trouble breathing. I was coughing. I was congested. Um, My stomach hurt. And I just thought, I don't know what I thought, but I told production I wasn't feeling well. And they said, you know, we can put a little cot for you if you want to lie down and also no pressure to come in. And I said, no, I think I can do this. Meanwhile, I didn't know that I had this highly contagious disease. Oh, it's contagious? Yes. My intestinal disease is like you have to have a hazmat suit to be around. Are you serious? With... I didn't know it's contagious. Am... Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm very serious. <laughs> and so anyway, they did set up a cot for me and I'd go lie down. And But I think I was really good at pulling it together and pushing through. I had no idea. And You didn't? Yeah. Mm-mm. 
You had no idea she wasn't feeling well? I thought she had a cold. Like she was kind of coughing and it was like, I remember going, oh, do you want to go get some tea? It, it just seemed like somebody had a cold on set and I, we weren't really- Do you want co- some tea for your invasive cancer? <laughs> I'll go with you. That you don't know about yet? That's very sweet of you, Stephanie. How can, she's not a doctor, Tig. She doesn't know what's wrong with you. No. I just noticed some no, coughing. No, she's not a doctor. But yeah. it really, it wasn't clear. And I, I mean, and again, that's also showing how we really didn't know each other. Because I, I had no idea there was even a bed. Yeah, I didn't know at all what was going on. <laughs> I love that you're like, that shows we didn't know each other. I didn't know there was a bed. Because clearly, <laughs> yeah. Um, so like two days after we wrapped that movie, I collapsed at my girlfriend's house. I was dating somebody else. Awkward. And what's also bizarre is, Stephanie, we had a trailer that had one of those accordion yeah. doors that separated our rooms. Also tells you where we were in our careers. <laughs> a double, that's called a double banger. <laughs> Would you have? Would you have to share a trailer with somebody where there's an accordion wall that you can go where there's to accordion, open? An accordion wall that, that you can, can also, you. yeah, and you can also play the accordion wall. <laughs> I just, I just shared a double beggar with uh, Brad Garrett. Oh well, look at you not progressing in your career all these years. <laughs> I, I, I wish we could go back in time and open the accordion wall and see Stephanie leaning over to try and eavesdrop <laughs> on cup, my conversation. With a cup against yeah. the wall. But Stephanie heard me through yeah. the, the easy accordion. to listen through accordion wall <laughs> say to my girlfriend at the time, there is something terribly wrong with me. Right, Stephanie? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh. Were you like, fur, fur, the accordion door, like, giving her a signal, okay? I'm here. She started playing a polka. Um, <laughs> a very sad polka. I mean, what do you do? You can't, like, knock on the wall I and go, hey, say any- I can hear you. There, well, there was you no okay? wall. There was an accordion. <laughs> <Just> the accordion. <laughs> knock on the accordion. <laughs> Come and knock on my accordion. <laughs> okay, um, so so you hear that. That's a, that's, yeah, what do you do? So two days after, yeah, I collapse. Okay, and just a side note: mm-hmm. a couple of times, my girlfriend had taken me to urgent care to get mm-hmm. IVs in my arms. This was just before I even collapsed, and I was transported in and out of urgent care and my girlfriend's car in a wheelchair. I was 40 years old. How many times can a person be in a wheelchair before you go? Maybe we should look a little deeper. Yeah, it seems like one one time I'd be like, "Hey, what's up? Something's going on." Yeah, yeah. something's going on. So then I find and I and it's funny because when I was at my girlfriend's <laughs> house, I thought this illness was going on so long that I'm probably being dramatic. I just need to take I need to get up, take a bath and just get my day started. Just shake it that off. That was yeah. And so I took a bath and she walked by and she was like, how are you doing? I was like, I'm actually feeling good. I'm actually feeling good. She goes, oh, good. <laughs> so she went downstairs and I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm fine. So I get out of the bath and I'm headed down her stairs and I collapse. At that point, she takes me to the ER and that's when I was admitted and I found out I had C. diff, which is the intestinal disease, potentially fatal disease it is so intense 
And when I had been going to get an IV through urgent care, they were giving me antibiotics for my symptoms. They hadn't diagnosed me with pneumonia, but they were giving me antibiotics. Antibiotics can cause C. diff. It can clear out all of the good bacteria in your gut. And sometimes C. diff is alone to thrive. And that's what happened to me. And typically it happens to very young or very old people or people with compromised immune systems. And it's insane because I was lying there in the hospital. I think it was 10 days that I was in there. And the doctors were baffled that I had C. diff. They were just like, this is so crazy. You're, you're so young. And nobody knew I had invasive cancer also. Oh my God. And, and so I'm just lying there with pneumonia, C. diff, and invasive cancer all at once, which are all three potentially deadly diseases. Yeah, and you had lost so much weight, you were a skeleton. Yeah. Which that was a frightening, that was a, actually a really frightening image in the documentary well that image um i have to say (laughs) i had told the filmmakers we i didn't know where that picture was and i said you know we talk a lot in the documentary about how thin i am after i was sick but i feel like people need to see it and i i wish i could find a picture and they kept saying it's not that big of a deal i think people get it and then i found that picture and i showed them and they were like oh my god that has to go in there and that picture is from when my because mo- my mother, when I was released from the hospital with C. diff, a few days later, my mother tripped, hit her head and was in a coma. And I had to go fly to Texas to take her off life support. And um, once I took her off life support and we had her funeral, I was bedridden again in Texas because even when you test negative for C. diff, it's still a massive struggle because your intest- your insides are completely wrecked. I can't even explain to you how long it has taken me to get through that. And so I took that picture because my girlfriend back in LA texted me, how you doing, babe? <laughs> <laughs> and it was so hard. I had not seen her in a week and I was losing like half a pound to a pound a day. And so I just decided to take a picture of myself and send that. And I thought it'd be funny to smile really big. (laughs) And uh, I sent her that. And she was like, oh, my God. And she got on a plane and flew out to see me immediately. I mean, you do you do seem like the happiest sick person I've ever seen. Like like you in have comedians. Well, yeah, oh, oh, that, right, you have yeah. comedians in your room. You have uh, Sarah <laughs> Silverman doing stand up comedy in your room for you. It's like you know you make it look fun. Sure <laughs> it wasn't was fun. <laughs> it was I'm not sure fun. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. 
It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. (laughs) There is something to that, though, because even in like the past few years with Tig's health issues, every time we're in the hospital, there's something funny about it. And as the worse it is, it's like, oh, my God, like it hits this humor very sort of inappropriately, but like you you almost can't help yourself. You know, most people will just, you know, have one thing like, oh, I did get pneumonia and I was in the hospital for three days. Whoo, that was tough. Uh, and but when, when it's you, it's like you were just hit with a real shit show of diseases and issues okay so you get a you get a call from your stepfather saying that your mother fell Uh and went into the hospital and she's didn't make it or wasn't gonna make it she's probably not going to make it so you get out there right away Mm -hmm. and like you said you had to you guys had to take her off life support and your brother and your stepfather couldn't really bear it but Uh -uh. you stayed there with her yeah, because women are very strong. Um, men have men have such. Um, I'm generalizing, but that's what I like to mm-hmm. do. But men have such um, like sweet hearts. It's mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard for them right. when something really tough happens. It's hard for them to see it, and I think women. Are you saying I don't have a sweetheart? Mm-mm, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was trying to tell you. <laughs> You've got a heart of stone, so you could take it. I so, could take it. You can take I can it. take all this. This is fine. So your mom passes away in front in front of your eyes. Yes. You go back into the hospital. I didn't go back into the hospital. I did eventually when I had cancer. Yeah, but not immediately. I went back to her house and just was, you know, my brother and my stepfather were picking out caskets and tombstones, and I was just lying in bed like, I, I couldn't even believe, like they were handing me brochures like for tombstones and yeah. caskets and flower arrangements. And I, my mother was alive days ago and yeah. I just, I was so sick. And I, I was like, I can't even, 
do this. Like whatever you guys want to pick. I was also hiding how sick I was to the Mm -hmm. best of my ability because I didn't feel my mother was the person that I would have collapsed into the arms of Mm -hmm. and shared my pain emotionally and physically and she was gone and my stepfather is a very stoic person and I I just was like I don't feel well and I'm sad you guys just please deal with things yeah it was a very trying time to say the very least so then you you get back on stage and you're doing stand-up and then not for a while I didn't get back on stage well, all that happened in March with pneumonia, C. diff, and then I was diagnosed with cancer in July. My mother died in March, too. So it was pneumonia, C. diff, my mother died, and then my girlfriend and I broke up, <laughs> um, and then I was diagnosed with cancer. That's when I got on stage, which was four months later. But all of that happened in a four-month period of time. Yeah. My head was spinning nonstop. And so when I was diagnosed with cancer, that's kind of when everything became somewhat humorous to me because it was so unbelievable. I didn't start laughing right when I got my cancer diagnosis. (laughs) I'm not mentally ill. But I was really... When people would ask how I was doing, I, I was like, <laughs> I have so moved beyond the last time you talked to me. I now have invasive cancer. <laughs> anyway, I felt compelled to get on stage because I had this show booked. I actually didn't feel compelled. I didn't want to get on stage, but Ira Glass was pushing me to talk about it on stage. Flanagan, who owns Largo, He was encouraging me to not cancel my booking and I thought they were insane and I was actually a little bit offended because I thought they didn't understand how destroyed I was. Yeah. And so I went on stage. I I decided last minute to just go ahead, keep the booking because honestly, with my own health and my mother dying completely out of nowhere... I started to really get in touch with how fragile life was. And mm-hmm. I could see that I could potentially be dead in a matter of months. Mm-hmm. And so my love for stand-up, I wanted to get on stage one more time. Let's hear, um, it's weird to cut to a clip of you when I'm talking to you, but let's hear uh, you getting on stage after finding out your diagnosis. Hello. Good evening. Hello. This is at Largo in Los Angeles. I have cancer. How are you? Hi. How are you? Is everybody having a good time? I have cancer. How are you? Ah, it's a good time. Diagnosed with cancer. (sighs) Feels good. Just diagnosed with cancer. Before I performed that night, I was in the shower and I was thinking, how am I going to get into this material? (laughs) How am I going to talk about all this? And then I just, I had this thought run through my head where I thought, oh, what if I walk out and I'm like, hello, good evening. I have cancer. How's everyone doing? Kind of like 
are there any birthdays tonight? Mm-hmm. Um, anybody celebrating anything? And it made me laugh so hard. And so I showed up to the show with that sort of, you know, spirit. intention mm-hmm. and spirit. And so that night basically changed your life because they don't allow you to videotape anything at the Largo Theater. But no. But somebody was, was audio taping it. I had asked Alec, the sound guy, to record the audio because I told Ira Glass that I'd just go ahead and try to see what I could come up with because he wanted material for This American Life. I recorded that. And then what happened that night, um, you did your stand-up and you talked very candidly about what was going on in your life and cancer and... The loss of my mother and... The loss of your mother. And I'm sure you you didn't know how people were going to respond and people were laughing, people were crying. People were stunned. It was such a roller coaster, the whole <laughs> the whole show. And then I know at one point you're you're asking, should you stop talking about it? And they were yelling, no, no fucking way. Keep going. Yeah. I almost started crying when that guy yelled out to me. It was so touching. It really was. And it's so what happened at night? Um... It was really so crazy because I, I got off stage and my friends and I went to Swingers, mm-hmm. the diner. I love now swingers. closed. Um, good and we... We went and hung out until two or three in the morning, just kind of on this high of like, that was such an insane show. Like, I couldn't even believe I had been so vulnerable and honest on stage. And so we hung out all night and um, and I went home and I turned my phone off and I went to bed. And I did not know, you have to understand, was not on Twitter, not on Instagram, I had a, a Facebook page where I was friends with like my aunt and cousins and <laughs> friends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, I cannot explain how much I was out of touch at the time, even still a bit now, but really then. Mm-hmm. So I turn my phone off. I go to bed and I wake up, have no idea that the audience is tweeting. All of the comedians are tweeting. People were blogging about it. And it had gone viral and I had slept until like noon that day. (laughs) And when I turned my phone on, I truly had book deal offers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The New York Times was calling. I always tell people I felt like a great, great grandmother that woke up and was like, what happened? Like, (laughs) who did what? (laughs) And, uh, And so I called Ira Glass and I just said, oh, I have this recording and maybe... Maybe you could use some of it. I don't know. And then he played it on This American Life and it exploded. And then it became an album, which I had decided for a while I wasn't going to release because I really felt like it was a you had to be there moment. Mm -hmm. But for two months, people kept saying, you have to put it out. You have to put it out. And I was like, it's not my best work. You know, it was like an Uh open mic. Uh I just walked on stage and was... Yeah. Anyway, um, and then it became the number one selling album around the world that year. And then you were nominated for a Grammy? I was, but I lost to um, Kathy Griffin. Like, I think she had an album 
called look at my butt crack or something yeah hers year. was more polished i'm sure <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure the i'm sure the audio quality was much better than yours uh, but listen okay. i don't have any hard feelings about <laughs> losing that um i really did not do that show to get attention i i did not do that show thinking it would become grammy nominated or the best-selling album of the year you know well have you ever read the book the seven spiritual laws of success by dupak chopra no have you stephanie i haven't read it one of the best ideas in that book is to disconnect from the outcome of whatever it is you're trying to achieve so mm-hmm. if you had set out that night saying i'm gonna i'm gonna win a With- grammy <laughs> I, I can't and you, and you like every day you woke up and you were like how can I win a Grammy how can I mm-hmm. be nominated for a Grammy I'm gonna start writing something so mm-hmm. when you disconnect from what it is you're hoping to get back from this and you just go okay I'm I'm gonna go out there I want to connect with the audience I'm, I'm gonna tell my story and see if they understand it mm-hmm. so you do that and you do the very best version of that and then good things come to you from it yeah okay so now you're you're writing hi things are exciting you've broken up with your previous girlfriend and now stephanie oh you guys are reunited because the movie that you did what was it called in a world World. in a world so that now is premiering at sundance and you guys see each other again Mm -hmm. and was it sparks or were you like oh hey i remember you well before before sundance we had run into each other like a week after i resurfaced out into the world which is maybe six months later and i saw her at a show and do you want to tell well i think what's so crazy about it and even thinking about it now is that when we had finished in a world we didn't exchange numbers we never saw each other again so she went and had all this this horrible year and then when i saw her again a year later I didn't, I had heard she had cancer because I'd heard of that show, but Mm -hmm. that was kind of it. So she kind of seemed the same to me. Mm -hmm. And what was that, what was so jarring is that she was in a completely different place when we reunited. So when you, when you saw her, was there a film crew following her everywhere? Not that night, but I think during the day, right, Tig? I mean, yeah, they were intermittently. If I had doctor's appointments or I had shows or seeing family and just important moments. I mean, how did the, how did the doctor's office feel when you showed up with a camera crew? Well, they, of course, clear all that before. (laughs) It's like, oh, God, here she comes. Get ready. (laughs) This lady and her camera crew. (laughs) It was not my idea idea to have a documentary made about myself. Uh, Okay. So you guys, okay, so you, you spark, you start texting. And, and all the while, Tig, you, even at the beginning of this documentary, you had said that you wanted to have a baby and it was mm-hmm. time to start thinking about that so you you were ready to harvest your eggs mm-hmm. okay harvest my eggs and then so after your oh god we really glossed over the cancer that's okay <laughs> but i mean it I, we, it's so much to cover that i feel like i had cancer i'm in remission now right well this was something i will say watching this you know, it was, I mean, we shot this seven years ago, eight years ago, it came out five years ago. It blows my mind to think of where I was at the time and how young I was. And 
I, I don't think I realized until watching it this time that we were both sort of lost souls and both in sort of a massive changing point in our lives. Whereas I don't think at the time I realized I was going through anything in terms of my sexuality. I was like, oh, I guess I'm just straight and I really like her. I'm fascinated by this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say like, I think I realized that I was actually gay a few years ago. And that was after we were married and after we had kids. <laughs> okay. Okay. There's a lot to, as Chris Cuomo says, unpack here. Yes. But truly, I mean, because I think you, I fell in love with Tig. It, it made me aware of why I had all these horrible relationships before or what my relationships really were. And then to go, I had to piece through all of that. And so when I'm watching this, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so confused. You know, she's going through so much and then I'm over here like, I think I like you. Well, because because Stephanie, before Tig, you had never uh, dated a woman. No. You'd only been with men. Yeah. See, this is fascinating to us. And I wasn't person. like, <laughs> well, that's why I think everyone's gay. <laughs> gay people do think everybody's gay or a little bit gay. Yeah. Well, because I know, I know, I think there's like, the people who in their childhood or at some point know they're gay and then they're hiding it or they're trying to reconcile how they're going to tell people or how they're going to go about it. I wasn't that person. Or you didn't feel from the beginning like, oh, I know and I'm going to have to tell, go through this whole thing. But that's what's so crazy to me because in my mind, I always think, oh yeah, you know, you know when you're five or six and you, but I didn't know. What? I know. I'm over here with this haircut and this flannel telling you, I didn't know. Come yeah. on. I, when did you know, Tig? Um, <laughs> when I met Stephanie. No. That's um, not true. No, not until I was maybe 21 or so. I don't know, 20. But that's the other thing about Stephanie is her relationships that she's had with men. It's not like she had these five-year-long relationships with men. No. They were just short. I would just, I I dated a lot. I was always relieved when it was over. I liked a lot of space, (laughs) a lot of distance. I thought I was just having fun and I didn't Mm. really, and I was like, I mean, maybe someday I'm just going to meet that guy and it's going to feel different. And you'll connect. Yeah. And you never did. Never. Okay, because the, one of the really interesting things about this documentary is watching you, Stephanie, because really you you are a very strong person. And to watch what you were going through, because here's Tig. She's going through her own journey. I mean, crazy, awful things have happened to her. She meets you. You guys spark and you're starting to fall in love. And it's like... Oh, by the way, I've got cancer. I'm trying to have a baby. Um, my life is super crazy. Here's the film crew. I'd be like, um, why don't you call me in a few years? Let's see if we're still interested. I did that. You did. I know. Well, it, so you guys broke up for a second. We didn't break up. Mm. We weren't together. We, we never were together. Mm. We just stopped hanging out. That sounds that sounds... Well, I didn't think I was dating her. I thought I was hanging out with a friend. Uh-huh. I didn't think I was dating you. I thought we were hanging right. out, but I was also looking at you going, well, I like this she person. She's cute. Yeah. Mm. But Stephanie, were you looking at her going, oh, maybe I'm not straight? Yeah. 
Oh, well, that was a hesitant. Well, because I don't think I could get there quite yet. I think I was like, I'm straight, but I really like Tig. Mm-hmm. And this is when I was dating guys at the time, I was like, I was noticing I would have, ra- I was prioritizing Tig and I would mm. have rather hung out with her than the guys. And so it became clear to me that I was falling in love with her. And then I kind of went down the cliche journey of like, oh, it's not about labels and it's just mm-hmm. about love and it's mm-hmm. like everybody can love each other and I'm not gay, but I'm not straight either. Oh, interesting. Okay, so you guys are falling in love. You've got the camera crew going. Oh, I there's this one clip, Tig, that I really want to hear because it captures you so well. Oh. When you're falling in love with Stephanie and you're you're thinking you're going to have a baby and everything's sort of on a really good track people are paying attention to you as a an artist as a comedian with a really strong individual voice mm-hmm. uh, that connects with people there's a scene here where you're driving and then you're talking about how elated you are mm. I have way more to be excited and positive about than I did a year ago couldn't be happier. (laughs) Tig. I mean, if that's you at your most excited, Mm -hmm. it really, um, (laughs) it really disturbs me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I would like for that to be your ringtone. (laughs) I'm I'm excited. I could not be Cheryl, it was a very deep, deep joy I was feeling. It's the it's the real epitome of you being Eeyore. He, it's so true. It is just like, I'm so happy. I'm on top of the world. Cheryl, how dare you? Have you not had a moment like that where you are earnestly saying, I've never been this happy before? What you oh, so you you feel like in that moment I should have been like I'm so happy I've never been so happy before yeah yeah <laughs> I would read like to see a little energy behind read it I would a like room. you're in a car read it's the like car <laughs> I think anybody in that car would have appreciated just a little <laughs> bit more energy just a little bit more hey <laughs> things are great at this moment I am actually having a great moment. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Cheryl Hines. Oh my God. I can't I'm believe you're treating me. I was having a sincere emotional moment, and you were wanting me to do leprechaun kicks. Uh, there's a lot of space in between what you did and leprechaun kicks, <laughs> did you say? <laughs> Stephanie, you were phrase? in that moment with me. It was a. S- it was a it was a sweet moment between us. Yeah. When you I know say how you Cheryl, talk. Cheryl's Well, I think it's very funny. Yes, I I in the time I took that as very sincere and genuine and I think it's very true. I just it is also you're never going to do the other version. I think where you really see you at your like most joyful is when you're laughing. It's where you're like not in control. It is cute. It is true because 
it's uh, when I was watching the film, there were there kind of only a few times when you're really just laughing and you're not self aware. Yeah, uh, and it's cute. It's fun. Oh, when mm-hmm. we're talking about the uh, the onion article Oop. where the diarrhea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't seagull. know why you pick that to really laugh your <laughs> well, ass off. Every- but <laughs> I mean, how funny is that? Seagull with diarrhea funny barely you- makes it to crowded beach in time. Well, I, I pointed it out when she's on Conan and she goes like, you know, motions that her um, boobs are gone. And he goes, who's your doctor? The Fonz. And it's, you can see that tick that genuinely got you. Yeah. And you see that joy. Yeah. It's fun. Well, it's Conan. You know, I was telling Stephanie that what she didn't know was that appearance on Conan. I forced myself to go on Conan because I was so uncomfortable. I don't mean it in a bad way, uncomfortable. It's just I was not used to having so much attention on me Mm. and having people worried. It took everything to get that Adam Ant t-shirt on over my incisions across my chest it was so painful and hard but I did that because I wanted to go out there and say I'm okay and it's just such an interesting thing because I was so I was still draining blood from my incisions at that point in time but I felt compelled to just like I'm gonna I'm okay I'm okay (laughs) you know I think why everybody really responded to your story and how you told it and how you're still telling it is that you had so many life-changing, awful things happen that most people would just be in their bed with the covers up over their head. Like, I can't go on. I can't do it. But like you're saying, even to walk out on Conan and laugh (laughs) it did it made us all feel better it made us all feel like oh my god she did it she did it she's I see it with my own eyes she's laughing uh she's talking about it there's a way to get through really bad things and Mm -hmm. and maybe even laugh about them I think a lot of people probably have a hard time getting to that point but um but it was it's been very inspirational that's why people that's why people were so drawn to it and I think are drawn to you. Ew, I said something nice about you. <laughs> Thank you, Cheryl. That's so sweet. <laughs> that made me happy. I can't believe I'm being ribbed after all I've been through. Did you not see the documentary? Either I've of seen, you? By the way, I've seen it so many times and then I had to watch it again. I'm like, oh, okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. Did you ever cry any time that you've watched that documentary? No, but I'm not a big crier. I haven't cried. I know any. you're not a big crier, but we ask each other a lot of times. That's true. After we documentaries. Cry. Right. Did you cry? You asked me with the octopus. And you did cry. I did. Tig's a crier. I'm a crier. I mean, listen, I cry when I watch Dancing with the Stars. Is that weird? But you don't cry when your dear pal Tig is just... <laughs> suffering blow after blow after blow (laughs) stephanie and i were crying in bed last night not sobbing but we would turn to each other and little hands and kiss and have teary eyes um no i mean dancing with the stars they're trying really hard to 
remember their steps and they're like pushing themselves in a way that most people never have a chance to. Well, I cry watching I Can See Your Voice. (laughs) For completely different reasons. (laughs) Okay. um, Listen, I think we have to, do we have to start wrapping this up? I was just going to ask Stephanie just um, just a general reaction that you have to the movie and and life now and well that's the thing is when we watched it before in 2015 it was we were still kind of very close to it and we were still there in our lives and now having been married and have two kids and this whole other storyline around you having kids and your sir it just seems like insane choices were made in that documentary and at the time it all seemed normal and now I'm like, oh, my God, we were just going with it, you know? Mm-hmm. When you're in something and you're deciding like, oh, I met this surrogate on a podcast. I'm flying up there and I'm going to take this risk. We were just saying yes to everything. And it blows my mind to now be where we are now and go, oh, my God, we really did that. Like followed through on all of those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a miracle that you guys – when the dust settled, you looked at each other and said, oh, yeah, I still like you. <laughs> well, I haven't checked in with Stephanie recently. Maybe we should do a check-in right now. Stephanie, how's it going in the relationship? Yeah, I still like you, Tig. Oh. Do you? <laughs> I do. It wasn't a feeling of... Um... Well, you know what? I'll say this, too. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But no, but like this is... A... <laughs> Oh, God. For the most part, I like you. Look, I have my own issues and feelings and thoughts, so nobody's checked in with me yet, but go ahead. But I also think, like, revisiting everything you went through, I was like, oh, my God, you went through all that. Not that it's not, we don't think about it or it's not still alive in our lives, but it's, it is a, it's just so heavy. Well, what do you mean by that? Talking about your mom and talking about cancer and talking about C. diff and a break, like all of those things. Then you meet somebody, I have all my shit with sexual, my sexuality. It's just like a, it's so intense. And now we don't really think, talk about those things or really, um, they're just sort of part of the fabric of our relationship. And so when you look back and you see it sort of in the present like that, it's just, it, it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a bond because to meet somebody now in your life and to explain what happened back then, it would be like, oh, somebody would be like, oh, okay, cool. No, right. Somebody would be like, oh, yeah, I got the album. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I, I know everything about it. That's cool that you guys, that you went through that. But yeah, to, to experience it with each other, I'm sure is extraordinary and it makes you really close. Tig, how are you feeling? about the relationship <laughs> who cares <laughs> <laughs> well what's what's really I guess it's like any relationship or anybody alive I mean it's not like we went through that period of time and then life settled and then we were just married and had children Easy. we've had such intense busy crazy lives And I would say this pandemic is the first time, probably similar to many people also, that I feel like we've sat still. And we're coming up on eight years of being together. And in that time, we've had 
incredible highs and incredible lows. And I have had ongoing medical issues the entire time, the entire time. And I mean, I feel like, I think I ask Stephanie all the time, do you feel like you purchased a lemon? She didn't know that that was a saying for a bad car. <laughs> That's what but, old people um, say. Yeah. What's wrong with a lemon? Yeah. Like, I love lemons. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had a lemon right now. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> well, look no further. You married one. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then put on top of it, we have twins which is that's hard having a child young. is hard we have twins you have young kids we have <laughs> yeah. young twins and so a lot of what we've been through has been really the best and the worst of it all and i think that oddly hearing about so many relationships that have struggled in the pandemic i mean we've had hard moments too in the pandemic but inside our home, within our family. Obviously, there's horrible stuff going on in the pandemic. I feel like we've fared quite well. Yeah. Um, you feel that way or? Yeah. It's going to be awkward if she says no. It's going to be such a sad ending to this podcast. <laughs> no, Stephanie's I disagree. Like, Thank um... you for having me. <laughs> agree to disagree anyway well, no i'm just on on top of the when you're saying that period in 2012 2013 2013 that it, it was a bonding time and i guess i'm just trying to make the point that it's been endless moments like that not exact i mean how, i don't know how do you feel Stephanie? yeah and i completely agree it it like calmed it like just calmed everything down uh-huh. And gave us time together. And we've had time together because we do everything together. We do everything together. God, and we work together. I mean, we, I guess we get sick of each other. Well, listen, in quarantine, who doesn't? You know, I mean, I think we're all like, you just, you can't help but to snap every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my but God, I you're have, still on the couch. I have to say, through it all. It has been a remarkable journey with Stephanie and where we are now, I would say if people knew what we've been through, aside from what is so public, if people knew the ins and outs of what our life has really been, Mm -hmm. they'd be shocked. I think it's just, it's a lot. And I think that what's really uh, surprising to me, I guess, is that, and I'm not trying to just pull it together with a positive button, but I (laughs) love Stephanie and nobody makes me laugh harder than Stephanie. And it's really something, why are you shaking your head? I'm just, you're so sweet. It's true. You're a little sweet, yeah. You guys need to do this on your own time, I think. (laughs) But it's true, it's true. I was. It's very sweet, it is very, very sweet. it listen all everything all in all the good all the bad i enjoy her i go to her for advice and we and i say it all the time privately and publicly but we laugh so hard every single day like 
like gasping for air, crying, laughing. Is that not true? Yeah, I think that's what drew us to each other. And I think even on in a world, that's what the connection was. If there was one, you know, was that that we were enjoying each other. Yeah, there's so are many. You guys, are you done? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, we've got a show to wrap up here, guys. Are okay. We... Well, I love you, Stephanie. Okay. Cheryl. Yeah, we get let's it. Let's wrap this up. They're trying to get everyone to be gay. You guys are trying to turn the world. <laughs> um. Okay. I will say this. I think what's what people forget about relationships because. You know, you go to work and you see, there's Bob. He's always in a good mood, but we don't know what's happened with Bob and Sally at home. Sally could yeah. be really sick. Bob could have lost his mom and he shows up to work the next day. And Poor Bob and Sally. Don't get fixated on the name. Um, but they, you know, you if you are in a relationship with somebody, you do have a bond and you do go through some you have to if you've been together for any amount of time you've gone through some some difficult times and some serious times and um we've all right. got stuff to worry about and deal with but then it it is how you deal with it and move to the, pick yourself up which is tig's story which is fascinating it was one of netflix's first documentaries is that right yeah. I was going to ask you if you thought this was su- successful. Do you think in the eye of the world, the TIG documentary is a s- success? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's certainly no um, uh, Tiger King, <laughs> but uh, I would say it, it's a success in that I felt, especially on the heels of that yeah. album that came out, it was just another part of pushing yeah. that wave. And I could feel... You too, Stephanie, right? I could feel feel that this was a watched documentary. Well, I think like for one documentary, you know, you have like people that are struggling with fertility and IVF issues, and then you have disease, you have the loss of a parent, you have sexuality, and then you have like the structure of finding a, a comedic joke to work, you know, that like... There's kind of people get really into those. How uncomfortable was that to watch? <laughs> I thought that was like the worst part. You're like, oh, Tig. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. so interesting. Yeah, because you you were trying, you were writing a new joke, and then we saw it after you first wrote it, and the audience was like, mm, I don't, I don't think so. And <laughs> yeah. then we, you, a few months later, you try it again, you changed it a little, and the audience was like, yeah, it's okay. And then by the end, we get to see the joke, and you had really figured out what exactly was funny about it what people would respond to i liked seeing that part i did i think that's so cool it's such a sort of small piece in it but it's so cool i remember when we were working on the documentary and trying to figure out how to make the story because there's five i think major storylines all happening at once so structuring that it was a beast and i remember coming back to the filmmakers and just saying you know what what i can't shake (laughs) that has to happen in this documentary is it has to be ultimately about a comedian Mm. whatever we're doing with the Mm -hmm. love story with ivf with health whatever it is i don't want to lose focus of a film about a comedian Mm -hmm. and so 
adding that thread in really, I think, helped because yeah, it, did. it was the thread that was constant no matter what the other storylines were doing. Yeah. And no matter how intense or deep or sad it went, you were also following the life of a comedian. Yeah. So um, that was something that hit me in the middle of the process that I was so thankful I thought of and not that I'm saying I no, made but, this but documentary. you're right. No, because a documentarian might be more likely to focus focused on, on cancer or <clears throat> right. the love story. Right. And I, I thought that they could all work together, but really needing to make sure that was the central theme. But I think the filmmakers, there's so many people that worked on this and I, I think they all did a phenomenal job. Yeah, they they did. They did. And you guys were very brave to <laughs> to be Again, another exposed. thing we were just saying yes to. <laughs> people have asked, going like, you... what? Oh, my God, what did we do? And people have asked, oh, will you do a follow-up documentary? Or what about a reality show with your... And, no way in hell. <laughs> no way in hell. You would never. 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 Okay. I think it's time to move into our... Um, final segment here Cheryl what was your favorite documentary um, that we watched this year well I love them all mm. um, I really loved Amanda Knox so oh, I had a gosh. great time watching it I know it. you did I know oh maybe I could maybe I'd flip flip for her is that weird <laughs> is that what you guys call it no Okay. Um, <laughs> I loved the Amanda Knox um, documentary, and then I really loved talking to her. And I really, listen, there was something about Tiger King that was so fascinating. And it, it was a fascinating documentary, but also because it came out like the day after everybody went into lockdown. And, and, it seemed like the whole world watched it at the same time. And it was mm -hmm. something about it was just magical like that, that we were all experiencing this crazy thing together that I loved. And then we got to talk to Eric Good, who was the director and producer. So I, I loved those two things a lot. How about you, Tig? I mean, as I'm going through, it is hard to pick because it's, hard. Even, it's really hard um, because I can't even remember – uh, the artist is present, present, just something I never would have watched normally. And I'm yeah. so glad I watched that. It was really interesting to talk to Amanda, as you said, there's so many, I think I can't help but go back to, well, I'm always a, a fan of the staircase. God, I like the good. staircase. It's so good, <laughs> but I still love Stephanie. Would you guess which one I love? Octopus? No. A band called Death. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I did love The Octopus, too. But A Band Called Death, there's something. I just love that story. Rock, I love the story, and I just love rock guys. I just so love them. It is. I just, I love them. Growing up, I just hung out with the rock musicians and just little little rocker bodies and <laughs> drums and music and 
funny. I love that world. Do you think ah! that's a, do you think that is a compliment if somebody says to a guy you've got a great little rocker body? Of course. Okay. They're the cool rocker look. Yeah, that's a compliment okay. cuz you're a rocker, you want to look cool. The music sounds awesome, but you know what? Hmm. Every time I'm watching that documentary, I just insert myself in there. You just like you want to be walking around with those dudes. I love that documentary. I'm sorry. I just Maybe do. you are straight. <laughs> you know I love that documentary. No, I know. I forgot about that one. I yeah. liked the staircase and I liked the um the fire festival one. That killed me. <laughs> That story is crazy. And that it all happened. And when those people show up on the boat or on the buses and they see where they're staying, I don't think I've ever laughed harder in a documentary. And they're like, oh, my God. She did laugh a lot. We paid thousands of dollars for these tents. And they were all running these to the tents. Hurricane evacuation <laughs> to, like, tents. grab water. And they were, like, hoarding pillows and mattresses. <laughs> And the one guy who's like, where are the villas? <laughs> oh, they're not here. I mean, <laughs> I mean listen, it's, it's funny now. And hopefully those people um, who experienced it can laugh about it now. At the time, I'm sure. They're probably not laughing. <laughs> There's probably, probably nobody laughing. laughing. Well, at least we get to um, enjoy it mm -hmm. and laugh our heads off. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been a great, great episode. Guys, thanks for having me on. You know what? It's been our honor and pleasure, Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie, thank you so much for taking the time. No, I love your podcast. I'm a huge fan. I, too, love documentaries. I have to go make lunch for our little cubs. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, once again, on your own time. Hey, um... <laughs> Listen, if you guys like the show, if you enjoy our podcast, we would love for you to leave us a message or a comment or a review. We love reading them. We really do. So keep letting us know what you think about the docs and leave us a review. And we just might read your response on the show. Tig, I wanted to tell you, one of my friends sent me a text that there's another woman out there, another listener, who wants to get a dog just so she can name it Dr. Becky Hines. <laughs> <laughs> After my sister. So if you have a dog named Dr. Becky Hines, we would love to see it. What does your sister think of all these dogs being named Dr. Becky Hines? I think she's flattered. Okay. And do you know that... Um, <laughs> During your appearance on Don't Ask Tig, you said something like, I'll tell Becky. And uh, now I end my episode with, uh, I'll tell Becky. <laughs> no, I, I say uh, a running joke on the podcast is, um, thank you, Dana, which is how I used to end every episode. So now I say, thank you, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. And that's how the episode <laughs> So let oh, Dr. Becky God. Hines know that I end every Don't Ask Tig episode with I'll Tell Becky. I am You can tell, tell Becky. <laughs> <I'm at> <laughs> I'll tell Becky. Um, okay. So those are our favorite uh, documentaries of the year. And we would love for you guys to find us on social media and tell us the ones that you loved. Yes, please. If you, if you did. If you liked any. And we are going to take a break over the holidays, but we will be back in the new year with new episodes. Should we do this again? Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs>
Tig and Cheryl True Story is hosted by me, Tig Notaro, and Cheryl Hines. It's produced by Gabi Kovacic and Thomas Ouellette. Audio engineered and edited by Thomas Ouellette, with music by David Susson. Special thanks to Patrick McDonald and Stephanie Allen. Follow us on social media for updates and review and rate True Story on Apple Podcasts. We really, really appreciate your reviews. You can email us at tigandcherylTrueStory at gmail.com. On our next episode, we'll be talking about Tickled. That was a HeadGum Podcast.